Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. We got a great interview lined up today, but before we begin, head down in the show notes and you're going to see all the great links. There's a lot of stuff referenced today. So much. So much. (laughs) I have put it all down there. Make sure you head over to YouTube and follow along on our Touring the World, Around the World, super spectacular video series that Ariel and I are doing with our Torchlight and Build Your Library combo, which Mm -hmm. is been just an absolute blast and we're going to continue doing that all through this year and i think a little bit into next year Uh, yeah most of next year (laughs) most of next year but today we had a great interview with kathleen decker and uh, why super mom yeah so why this matters is that she's got four kids and she's a turbocharged mom super awesome she's got all her stuff together and it's going to be it's a good lesson to all of us on how 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 well of a ship you can oil and run and and have this great thing. But what really got it is she was in our comments and she wrote this comment and we were sitting at the, at the kitchen or we were sitting on the couch and, and Ariel's like, did you get a load of Kathleen's post? And she had explained all the curriculums that she was doing and everything that she was doing. I was so impressed. And I, and I'm looking at him like, Oh my God, we got to get this woman on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she has a lot of great thoughts. And we do have an upcoming series of uh, bits of uh, curriculum reviews from her and from other homeschool families exactly. um, where they're going to talk kind of in depth about, you know, we can't possibly try every curriculum, but all these other families uh, kind of gather, crowdsource some experience. And I know everyone's making curriculum decisions here. So look for that soon. But absolutely, and Kathleen was terrific. She was amazing. And Ariel had to go put the kiddo down and me and Kathleen just kept talking. And so at the very end of the podcast, I have like, I think, I think maybe 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes of me just continuing to ask Kathleen, you know, sourcing the wisdom. I'm, I'm excited to listen to this because I didn't get to hear it. I was putting oh, the five and a yeah, half she, year old down. She wasn't there. I was like, at the end of the night, I was like, well, you, I got extra, I got content. I got extra content. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I kept talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was, she was fascinating. And, and was, she's managing four children. Um, and she's just super on top of all these different curriculums. This is her first year, uh, first year and a half or so homeschooling. So she's a first year homeschooler. She also has an ADHD child. So she's got a lot of unique challenges that are going on. And it was just a terrific interview. I thought, I felt really energized when we got done with this interview. Like I was ready to go back and like tackle homeschool the next day. So I hope you all feel energized too by Kathleen. Staying to the end. I got the extra bonus content after the, the ending credits for does her little outro i'm gonna i'm gonna toss it at the end so if you if you're like i don't have enough i need more there's a little bit extra at the end (laughs) (laughs) so let's get into it with our interview with kathleen decker is a good one hi kathleen thanks so much for joining us tonight thank you for having me so can you give us some background on you and your family and what pushed you to homeschool uh, so we are a family of six. We have three boys and our little caboose is a little girl. 
um, I work, or I stay at home. I was working three years ago, um, and then I became a stay-at-home mom with my third and then my fourth child. Um, my husband works, and kind of what drew us to homeschooling, it's something that we had thought about doing when our oldest was two or three. He's eight now, um, but it wasn't something that we had really, like, cemented on. Um, it wasn't something that we had decided that, oh, I'm going, we're going to figure out the schedules and figure out who is going to be teaching because my husband was at home at the time. Um, if he was going to teach or if I was going to continue working or if I was going to come home and stay with the kids. Um, so we decided to trial out public school. So we sent him to kindergarten just because we were undecided. And then I had our third son and then with having more children in the home, it kind of made more sense for us to send our second son to school as well, just to kind of get a little bit of a break at home, um, just because it was a lot with three kids. And then in that time, we had our fourth, our daughter, um, and then we were kind of at that point getting used to the size of our family and the addition to our family, and we were talking again about homeschool. I had actually, I was in a mom's group and I was going to some of the homeschool meetups at the parks that they had to kind of get more information. And then we had the opportunity to move from the state that we were in. And when we moved, um, we decided to kind of throw everything into it just because it was an opportunity. Uh, we didn't have to, you know, you know, we were in the process of like re-enrolling and everything like that. And we're like, you know, does that make sense? I have the opportunity to homeschool. It was something that we had spent a while talking about again. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and then our choices were kind of taken away from us. Um, so when COVID happened, we, my oldest one was enrolled um, in first grade. And it was just not a good experience that we were having at the new public school, um, in the new you know, state that we were in, and we didn't have a good experience with our second son in public school. We had not even contemplated enrolling him at all um, in the public school when we were, when we moved. And just with the experience that we were having with COVID and the opportunity as well for me to really like get down and buckle and, and research homeschooling. And there are so many other um, parents who were now in this, this boat of COVID homeschooling with, you know, the same questions that I had. So I was just, you know, scrolling through all the Facebook groups and everything, getting informed and educated on everything. And we just decided, I want to say, we got to the state in March, a week before COVID shut down. And then he was his first week of school. And then we pulled him I want to say three weeks later. <laughs> so, and we kind of, we kind of rolled from there. We didn't really do anything formal for a while because I'd heard about unschooling and everything like that. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to unschool everybody and, and for me to figure out what we're doing. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> threw us in the deep end. Um, and it took us a while, uh, but we've, we've really, we've really enjoyed this experience and the journey that we have and, and the connection that we have as a family through this. So it's, it's definitely something that was a, a good decision for our family. When you said you guys were thinking about homeschooling before, like before COVID, before you started school, like where did that come from? Had you, had you had an experience in the past or was that always something that interested you? 
Um, it wasn't something that interested me personally. I did, you know, I was a public school kid, uh, graduated, you know, joined the military right after uh, high school. So I did like the whole like standard um, growth, education growth. My husband, um, he has ADHD and uh, he changed, I think he said like 11 or 12 elementary schools and like four different middle schools and then finally settled in part of middle school, finished off high school. And his mom, me and his mom had talked and she, one of the biggest regrets that she had was not having the opportunity to homeschool him um, because he didn't have like the greatest experience in public school. And he, he was the advocate actually um, for the possibility of homeschooling our kids just because he felt that, you know, we would be able to direct their education a little bit better. Um, we would help them more when they needed it. I think from his own experiences, um, just because, you know, in the public school system, we felt that they kind of push kids a little bit. And his experience was a push to get you to a certain place, even if you're not ready. Um, and that's not an experience we wanted for our own children, um, especially because our, our second one was showing um, signs that it, it, public school may not be a good fit for him. It would be a little bit more of my husband's experience. And that's not something we wanted to repeat, especially since we had the opportunity to think about like the possibility of it. Um, and then when he stayed home with the kids for a year, he actually did a little bit of, I guess, pseudo homeschooling <laughs> mm -hmm. with our oldest one at the time. Um, and so we, we did a little bit of that with each of them where, you know, we would do some preschool stuff, you know, ABCs, one, two, threes, a little bit of like beginner math type thing, nothing formal, you know, nothing like homeschool curriculum because we didn't even know that existed <laughs> when we were doing all this. We just had the Kumon books and the white clean books and all that stuff. But then, you know, it came time to really decide. And we just, we always said, you know, when we sent our first, our oldest to kindergarten, this is just going to be a trial. We're just going to see how it goes, see how he is in, in school and, and how, how the system is working for us or not. Um, and we got through the year. Um, I, halfway through the year, I pulled him from the from the buses and drove him to school <laughs> just because okay. our experiences there weren't the greatest. Um, and then we were just kind of like, kind of on the fence again, just because of that of, okay, is this the right choice for our kids? You know, do we pull back? What do we do? Um, and so it's, it's always weighed on our minds. Um, hmm what was best to do for our kids. So you said you'd, you'd researched these different types of, you know, unschooling and, and things. What were you kind of drawn to and, and what philosophy did you end up settling on? Did you try out a few or, or just kind of stay with the uh, mostly unschooling? Um, we're, I would say we're secular eclectic. Uh, we're not hmm. religious homeschoolers. We're very, very secular. Um, I make sure that what we try to pick for our family is secular just because that's a choice for us. Um, as my son says, we are a, uh, our, our family is a science-based family. <laughs> that's, his, that's his own little moniker for us because we have varied friends um, with mm -hmm. different denominations and, and different beliefs. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's something that we talk about a lot. And for us, we are secular uh, homeschoolers. And I would say we are very eclectic. Um, I was drawn initially to uh, the classic style just because I like straightforwardness. I like uh, pattern. <laughs> I feel like I have a path to follow um, and it felt a little safe uh, with that method. 
but also I really liked Charlotte Mason um, just because I am a bibliophile. I'm a self-proclaimed bibliophile. I love reading. And I love books. And that is something that I really, really wanted to instill in my children. What drew me to Charlotte Mason uh, was just the idea of learning through books. Um, that's something that really spoke to me. Um, and when I did a little bit more research, I really liked the idea of, you know, using books as a way to educate, uh, mainly because when I was young and growing, like, and even now, um, I educate through reading, you know, I read yeah. news articles, or I read science journals, or just anything, and that's enriching. Um, my, my previous job was also reading a lot of reports, a lot of uh, documentation, a lot of research, um, and that was you know, that's, for me, it's the best way that I learn. And I liked the idea of hopefully instilling a love of books in my children by inundating them with as many as possible. <laughs> that's been our plan too. We just have as many yeah. as possible yeah. around the house. For the longest time, I've always, yes. been, I've always been interested in the unschooling, sort of like what you had said, you kind of drawn to that, you know, but I, I, I think I've fallen into the the love of Charlotte Mason as well. Like it just, yeah. it just seems to work. I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, we have so many books where as you said, you're a bibliophile and you, you enjoy reading. We all enjoy reading and our kids just enjoy playing with books. And it just seems like a very natural path to go. Right. It feels like it goes together. You know, as much as unschooling sounds really neat, like, okay, we're just going to follow their what they're interested in. Then I see these curriculums with just these amazing book lists and I'm like, but I want to read all the books yeah. and yes. I want them to love all the books and I want them to, you know, and so I'm like, you know, if it was up to my child and she was, you know, completely unschooled, uh, I think she would want to watch YouTube videos about all these topics, which isn't a bad way to learn at all. But I, w I want the love of books. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I, yes. Yeah. And my oldest one, he was reading before he went into kindergarten. So he started wow. reading when he was four. Yes, uh, that was honestly he read because we read this one book a thousand times and he I swear he memorized the words in that book and then he taught himself to read through that one book <laughs> I still have it I still have that book because it's such a strong memory I have of him learning to read um and I think for him like like I mentioned he was the one that was in kindergarten he was the one in in part of first grade um and I think I don't know if it was like if public school did that but his love of reading kind of died a little bit okay. and it was sad for me to see that um mainly because you know he was reading before kindergarten so a lot of his teachers were like oh he's so good at you know this this and this we don't have to like stay on him as much and you know he yeah. came home with a lot of pictures and a lot of coloring and and all this because he'd get his his work done and he didn't have that opportunity to really uh read what he wanted to Mm -hmm. um, and do what he wanted to do. So he saw it more as a chore when he came home. Uh, cause they, you know, they send back, oh, you have to read for 20 minutes a day and fill out this chart and all this stuff, um, around reading. Um, and what used to be a joy for him now became another chore he had to do. Um, and so it's spent, we've spent the last year really working on him on, on, on finding that enjoyment back again. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is not much of a chapter book reader, but he, absolutely adores encyclopedias <laughs> so we so we have a lot of them on our bookshelf right now and he will pull them off and just read through them and tell me random facts about it and you know what 
I will take that. I'll take that yeah, win. Absolutely. Uh, our, our daughter is kind of similar. She doesn't really gravitate to the chapter books as much, but she likes, loves picture books and she loves anything that's yeah. encyclopedias, atlases, um, yes. eyewitness books. She loves eyewitness books, um, child after my own heart. But yeah, anything with like the lots of pictures and small descriptions about them just speaks to her. Yeah. Yes. Reason. And then with, with my second son, um, we are just now starting his reading curriculum. Uh, we did pre pre-reading for the last year to slow it down a little bit because doing, uh, the first level was a little, a little too much for him when we started. Um, and now he, you know, he picked out a chapter book, an actual chapter book. And he said, mom, when I'm done learning how to read, this is the book that I want to read. Aww, um, a so book. I'm, I'm Yes, an entire chapter book. It was the unwanted. Um, I have it waiting for him. Um, and I, for him, you know, he doesn't have that experience of like having to sit in a classroom and, yeah. and wait and, and being told what to do and, and what to read and things like that. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that just immersing him with all the books that we have and just kind of laying them out <laughs> a little bit and seeing what we have that it, it excites him and like pushes him to want to read what we have um so I'm, I'm and I'm hoping that his enthusiasm as he has it now will also encourage my oldest one <laughs> to also <laughs> try more <laughs> <laughs> um were you engaged in the homeschooling community at all before the before you pulled them out of the public schools or has it all just been you know COVID homeschooling from the from the beginning Locally, I was. Um, okay. So I wasn't online or anything like that. Uh, but some friends of mine from where we used to live um, were homeschooling or homes thinking about homeschooling their older children that year or had started homeschooling their children. Um, I also had someone that I worked with that um, her daughters did gymnastics and the public school schedule didn't work with their schedule. So she actually home educated them through a friend of theirs. Um, so I had ex like exposure mm -hmm. uh, to other people. Uh, when my kids were in daycare, uh, their daycare provider actually had a preschool curriculum that we bought into um, that she used while they were with her while I was working. Um, okay. So we kind of had them in that kind of environment from the very, very beginning. Our home also had like ABC charts and, and you know, flashcards and all that all around. So um, not quite as it is now, like the traditional structured type of homeschool. Um, mm -hmm. But definitely I knew bits and pieces of it just from anecdotes and from talking to friends. Um, but, you know, again, we were talking about it prior to all of this, but just never really delved too deep. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you've found kind of this interest in the Charlotte Mason secular style homeschooling. Have you picked a curriculum and which ones are you using? Uh, so we're using multiple. <laughs> sure. um, yes, my oldest one, we we did the last, I want to say, three, two months, two or three months ago, for about six months, we did core, like just the core, like reading, language arts, grammar, and math um, oh. with some handwriting thrown in because we were still testing out different curriculum. Um, so we kept, honestly, we kept his grammar and his math for all of the year um, and his history because he just we just really adored the history that we were doing. Um, so for his math, uh, we do Math Mammoth, which is perfect for him. He is very much a worksheet, get it done, learn it, get it done, move on child. 
Um, we do for grammar, composition, lightning literature, which also has an attached um, reading for that week that goes along with the lessons, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, we tried a different one that kind of used a similar um, concept, but it was a little uh, topsy-turvy for me. It wasn't it wasn't as concrete as I feel like the literature is. Um, and then we've been using History Quest Early Times for the last year and have absolutely enjoyed the heck out of that curriculum. It is an amazing curriculum. And my son has just blown up with his enthusiasm for everything history. Awesome. Um, is there a complete curriculum with History Quest? I know that that's the main history spine that's being used for Build Your Library Level 1. Yes. Um, so is there is there something separate that you can get just from... Is it Pandia? Pandia Press? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So History Quest, um, you get the textbook and then you get the study guide uh, that goes with I it. See. And the study guide has all of the resources. It has the additional readers that go with it. It has your, you know, day one through day five schedule um, of activities to do and things to do along with it. Um, I don't think I needed do... to know this. Now, now I'm going to have to combine <laughs> the History Quest workbook with Build Your Library One. Oh, no. <laughs> so that is what we're going to be doing actually next year because Ooh, um, you're gonna I found... Away. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> well, not... <laughs> just trying it out, trying it out. <laughs> we're very much trial and error here. Um, but really, I found uh, Build Your Library and Torchlight last year, um, but I was actually very intimidated with it because I didn't know how to read curriculum last year, yeah. uh, which mm -hmm. is funny to say, but it is actually... As a beginner homeschool, it's 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 when you're looking at the different outlines and everything like that, and you're reading through all of the study guides and teacher manuals, it's it looks like a foreign language. <laughs> so well, it, it feels like a yeah, it feels like a it feels like a lot of work, and yes. it takes it takes time to like get comfortable. You get your brain wrapped around it. Yeah, like yeah, I've talked exactly. about this. Yeah, I've talked about this a few times. Like feeling comfortable being an educator and looking at the curriculum and kind of being able to translate all this teacher legalese stuff into like what is it on the ground is there's like a process there and I I think yes. that's I think there's a missed I don't know I think there's a big I think maybe I wonder how many homeschool people burn out because they don't understand or or can't you know translate it translate it into translate it. the yeah. written into the tasks and that's one of the reasons that I planned yeah. it in Trello for you yeah. because I was able to just be like this is the book just read this book yeah, you didn't need all the rest of the words around it just read this book yeah I, I think I was I always mentioned like the first time we started homeschooling you printed out all the torchlight stuff <laughs> for the pre-k and I looked at it and I was just like I don't this is terrifying this is like six pages yes. of stuff and all these like what am I supposed to do like you know where's my formula and it, and, and they're the, the, trying to make it so easy for you to understand it's not like they're trying to be obtuse right they're trying to just be very comprehensive yeah but i think it can be intimidating so it's funny you, you had the same the same experience then yes and our first experience or my first experience with an actual like planned curriculum so to speak was blossom and root yeah. um so i had the early years and the kindergarten um, because I wanted something a little bit more structured for my second son and for my youngest one to kind of have something fun to do. And I am very much a, I need to be told. <laughs> I found out, I found out by using this, that I am very much it. I need to be told what to do and not like give, be given suggestions. I can't work with that. My brain can't yeah. formulate how to like make it work because I have four kids at home and I take care of the house and I just don't have the brain power. <laughs> figure out, oh, this, this, uh, this activity I can add and this activity and, oh, no, I'll, I'll skip that activity. I need to be told exactly 
A, B, C, day one, do this, day two, do this. Yeah. It's, it's such a balance. Right. And I, th- I feel like that curriculum was a little bit more straightforward and, you yeah, know, Boston follow, Harvard, follow yeah. the paragraphs. Right? right. And, and that's great. But then some of it's like, it, some of it is open-ended and it's purposeful so that, you know, you don't feel like boxed in, but I, yes. I think some people and love that. that and some people in. are like, I want to be boxed in. You tell me exactly what to do. I need to be boxed in. I'm one of those that in the beginning, I really needed to be boxed in because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I know right now, cause I'm in the combining Torchlight and Build Your Library Facebook group. I know a lot of people use build, um, Blossom and Root Science for it. And it's something that I'm looking at, again, just because now that I have more experience on how to read curriculum, I now know what works for our family and what rhythm, what homeschool rhythm works for us, that I mm-hmm. think that something that is open-ended, I think I can now implement. But as a, as a first-year beginner, had no idea how to even read a curriculum. It was very, very overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, can I felt imagine. like there's too many options. <laughs> yeah, there, well, there's so much to do. And then, you know, as you say, people are doing com- combinations too. So it's not only are you maybe getting a curriculum, but you're going, well, I want to combine this other science with it. And I want to combine this other history. And, you know, until so you're yes. making it even more complicated. So that's yes. always and really challenging. Yeah, and we're actually combining Curiosity Chronicles with History Crest, my oldest one, because as I mentioned, his love of history has just blossomed. And what History Quest was providing on its own wasn't enough for him. Um, not to say that it didn't have a lot to it. It's just he wanted more. <laughs> like he was like, well, can we do something else? Is there something extra we can do? And I'm very much not a, okay, I'm going to go research, you know, the, we did a couple chapters ago, Assyria. I'm going to go research, you know, more videos we can watch about Assyria or source more books about Assyria. Um, so I had seen that others within the History Quest group had also combined curiosity chronicles because of torchlight Mm -hmm. um so that led me to the path of looking at torchlight and then looking at curiosity chronicles and then kind of combining it into what we were doing um and then (laughs) i found out that build your library was using history quest as their history spine (laughs) this is like a rabbit hole (laughs) yes and now i kind of just pick and choose what i want from everything to kind of because i know what my oldest one wants now um, I know that sometimes he likes the vocab match for the history that you get from Curiosity Chronicles. Um, I know that he likes some of the fun games that they have on that. I know that he loves a hands-on craft from History Quest. I know that he likes the added readers from Torchlight and from Build Your Library. I personally like the myth and magic section of Torchlight because it adds kind of a little bit more to our day so that we're not just like, okay, school's done, go watch TV. Um, Because I definitely want something of like, hey, there's something extra to do that's also fun. It's quietly educational, but (laughs) also fun. Because I like to sneak education into our day. (laughs) And it's it's fun to pull from all of these sources because then you can just kind of lay them out and say, hey, this, you know, we can make bread or we can make, you know, this dish from this region of the world. And it's educational, but also delicious. Right. We are very, into, we're very food motivated in this household. No, so no, I like it. I think it's called veggie theory. You're just trying to sneak education and like you try to sneak vegetables into the diet. <laughs> yes. yes. And it's, it's fun because we've done this as part of their whole lives. Like it's not something that we just started this last year. Like we've always let them watch like, you know, the educational shows when they were little, just because I felt like I felt better as a mom (laughs) that they were watching something educational or we would 
play some games that were also hint hint educational um mm -hmm. so me laying these things out for them like you know they watched an hour and a half documentary on walking monsters for the prehistory unit that we're doing for my second one and my oldest one was like can we watch it again can we watch it again <laughs> even though it was a video that went for that day's lesson they didn't see it as you know education they saw it as oh this is a really cool video about dinosaurs exactly. yeah. <laughs> so you're doing prehistory um, are you doing blossom and root prehistory no so i decided just because blossom and root was very intimidating for me um, <laughs> i decided to change tracks um, and try something fresh to try build your library because i was interested in build your library mm -hmm. um and we were using it, we are using it for my oldest one, but I was kind of like, oh, do, we, do I want to do this with my youngest one too? How is it? Because we hadn't done any um, sit down serious work with him at all for the last year. And prehistory, which is dinosaurs, which is his love, um, I felt was like a gateway, <laughs> a gateway yeah. education tool. Um, so I decided to, to get the small six week unit study from Build Your Library since we were already using level two to see mm -hmm. if he responded well to the structure of it. Um, and he's responded beautifully <laughs> to the structure of it. It is absolutely amazing. Um, so we're actually gonna be doing Build Your Library Zero and Torchlight K this coming school year for him. Um, just because although he is finishing up kindergarten right now, um, he is not ready for level one. And I feel he will enjoy uh, level zero and K a lot more while we get used to having actual like more work beyond reading and math for him um, before we get into level one where it's a lot yeah i feel like yeah k and zero definitely i think kindergarten is uh the younger end of that spectrum so i think that's a really good you know and solid choice um to you know even though he might be getting through kindergarten to you know do those levels with even a slightly older child it's gonna be he's gonna be like right in the in the sweet spot for it yeah. it's funny that you mentioned the prehistory i'm gonna combine build your library and blossom and roots prehistory <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're gonna see how that goes <laughs> yes yeah somebody uh, had posted about it in a group <laughs> i had to do yes, it yes the build your library one i was actually impressed with the activities that they have um like we made uh fossil our first week uh so we've made fossil impressions with like household things that we had um and that was so fun and but also very simple <laughs> for me because again i need everything handed to me i cannot source it i'm not a pinterest mom i'm not you know like pull it out of a hat i, I really need it like I, I purchased the curriculum so it tells me what to do <laughs> and then we have fun with it <laughs> so it was it was very enjoyable that it was as engaging as it is um and still i feel gentle enough that i can pull him back a little bit when we're getting a little too overwhelmed and just kind of read a lot of the really great readings that go along with it we had the um the pre-update um, and our library actually had a lot of the books from the pre-update, which we're very fortunate for, <laughs> since it's very hard to source them. So you've got lots of different things going on. You have lots of different curriculums. You, you have four children. Kind of, can you walk us through what does a day look like in your your household? How do you, you know, how do you structure learning? How do you start your mornings off? And what does that all look like for you? So we don't quite have a structure uh, with our day. We used to try to have a structure and it just doesn't work for our home life just because we have so many cogs moving um, we're in and out of the house i have um, appointments with some of my children that we have to leave the house for and stay out for an hour to an hour and a half for um, and then we have co-op 
uh, with some of our friends as well. So generally, um, our school day starts with breakfast, and then they generally have a handwriting assignment that they do because it's easy and it kind of engages the brain. Um, and then they generally have a snack. I get up, you know, I get up and get the kids, the little ones, the, the, my three-year-old and my almost two-year-old ready while my older ones are having their breakfast and doing their handwriting. <laughs> I'm having my coffee and waking up. Um, but, uh, my oldest one is, is fairly independent when it comes to his math work and even now his language arts. So he decides which one he wants to do. Um, and he comes to me when he has any questions about the, the lesson or if he needs a little bit more explanation on something, but um, that takes me five, 10 minutes to do. And he is very independent with his work. So he likes to shoo me away <laughs> if I'm covering too much. Um, my second son, he is very much hands-on. So he takes up a lot of my time with uh, education. Um, and a lot of our curriculum is geared towards that hands-on need that he has. Um, and our lessons are generally split up throughout the day. Um, when he's willing to, and he says, hey, mom, can we do math right now? I drop what I'm doing. I go get his math stuff. And then we do it. Because when he's engaged, <laughs> that's the best time to get it done. Um, and then we generally have a lunch break. And um, we'll come back in the afternoon for whatever lessons are missing or whatever lessons we need to have done or finished. Um, and generally, it takes some coaxing for some of my kids, mainly my second one, to get through absolutely everything. Um, so with him, I have to entice him. <laughs> so okay. when they finish their schoolwork, they can have free time, TV time, whatever, uninterrupted after it's done. We have breaks in between all of that, um, where it's, you know, if I'm cleaning up or getting lunch ready or something, I'm like, okay, go for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes while I get whatever ready or set up. And that's, you know, they go play Legos or do what they need to do. Um, but we generally finish up around three. I like to finish around three because that's when they can have the uninterrupted fun time of whatever it is. We're in summer right now, so we've been a little bit more lenient with our games. So after 3 p.m., if all of their chores and home, you know, schoolwork is done and everything is, is settled in the house, then they can go off and play their video games or go on the iPad to watch some movies or videos. And then we come back together for dinner. Um, sometimes I like to sneak in. Again, I, I'm a sneaker with education. So I like to sneak in. Um, some of the videos that we have, like some of the additional videos and some of the curriculum. So we generally have like a movie in the evening that we watch or a episode or something that we watch. And sometimes I'll make sure it's an educational <laughs> or something from one of the curriculum where I'm like, hey, do you remember the Greeks? Let's watch a 30 minute BBC video or something. It's not season four of the Clone Wars like for like we do after dinner. Uh, right now, with with my youngest one, it's no a lot of Moana, no Frozen, Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dory. So I, I, I would love to, to just noodle down right to how do you manage to educate? Now you have this super duper, you know, go away mom, I'm learning kid. But you have this kid who requires a little bit more attention. How do you manage the two-year-old and the three-year-old when you're doing that? Go. Uh, <laughs> 
So my three-year-old, we have um, the playing preschool, which I reference back when I need to entertain him or when he's asking for my attention. Um, And um, that has, we don't really follow it to a T because he's three. So we just, I use it for a, a guide on like, oh, let's do some apple stamping or, you know, let's play with some paint or let's play with some, you know, watercolors or things like that. And I use it kind of like, cause I'm, I'm again, I'm not a Pinterest mom. I'm no. you know, proud to say I'm not a Pinterest mom. <laughs> so I need like assistance when it comes to figuring out best ways to engage with the various ages of my children (laughs) Um, and that's one way we do it and my almost two-year-old she'll join him um, for a lot of the activities that we do and uh, like one time we were sorting fruit loops and she ate all of his fruit loops before he could get it on the yarn so it was it was great (laughs) Um, but we also like let you know leave toys out and things like that so if I'm um engaged with my second son who requires a little bit more hands-on and a little bit more of my attention I make sure that they have something set up where they can be engaged for about 10-15 minutes be it crayons and paper or um leg or the duplo toys or um you know a hardback book that I know my daughter can not chew through <laughs> <laughs> So you have these kind of like on-demand activities you could just, and they're pretty close together. They, I, I would assume they play together a lot, the three and the two-year-old. Yes. Oh, also, okay. if the weather is really nice, I leave my back door open and I send them outside. <laughs> okay. okay. And that works wonderfully. So, so when you have these activities, these are, you know, they're just boxes or crates and stuff. You just drop it in front and say, hey, kids, look at this awesome new super tool, you know, toy. And then you go off and do the lesson with your with your second kid. Exactly. Yes. We have, we have an area set up for them to play and they're, they're separated in bins where, you know, the old, uh, my three-year-old can play with his little castle and she'll play and, you know, try and eat him with dinosaurs. It's, it's fun times for them now that they're older and they can play and interact with each other. Okay. Um, when she was little, I used to just give food. I put her in the high chair and give her food. <laughs> I, I'm neither going to confirm nor deny that we have done that. My backup is food. The co- yeah, as, my, as, as my friend always shows me that the Costco size box of Cheerios that he goes well, through. Well, right. Because they're little, it takes them a while to get through them, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I had a question regarding your homeschool space. Do you try to, how, how do you do containment with the four kids? Is it like in a basement? Is it in a bonus room? You know, containment theory. We have an office per theory. Everything should be in the office. <laughs> we have, we have a nice Ikea Calyx cube bookshelf that has the unused curriculum that we're not using right now or the reference books or the encyclopedias the library books things like that um currently i have about four stacks of curriculum out of my dining table (laughs) (laughs) that is just easy to grab right there because i can we either my oldest one when he does want that one-on-one time he needs quiet Um, Mm -hmm. And he wants like my focus attention for like the five, 10 minutes that he wants it from me. And he likes for some reason to sit in the dark with the window open. So (laughs) we stay in the, in the dining room for him. Um, My oldest one, or sorry, my second one, he likes to kind of be in the center of everything. So I work with him more in the kitchen in between the living room. Um, When the younger two are being way too crazy, Mm -hmm. my oldest one will seclude himself in the office that has two little kid desks. And he'll work on his work 
with the doors shut. <laughs> and when the doors are shut, we know to leave him alone in there. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, we try to contain it to, I want to say one side of the house for my yes. husband's sanity. Um, and I try to periodically bring what we're not using back into the office. So it's kind of out of sight and less cluttered. Um, but generally I shut the office doors and we just pretend the space doesn't exist. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, no, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And and we, we use a crate where we have all of our stuff. And, and I, I try to stay on the one floor. Sometimes we go up to the bonus room like today we needed to do that. But yeah, it's really just chaos, though. When you have a child that's two years old, things migrate so much and you can't. I, mean, I walk into yeah. the Montessori preschool classroom with my older one um, <laughs> and, you know, everything is in like a bin and it has a place and it's all like neatly organized and they put things back. I'm like, who are you? you're not this child at home. Um, so yeah, like I'm envious of it, but you know, the, the thought that everything can stay in one space, I think that people have that preconceived notion before they, you know, of, yeah. of homeschool that, you know, it's either it's all around the dining room table and all the kids are there together and everything is done there. Or you have the special dedicated homeschool space that's, you know, Pinterest worthy yeah. and everything is done there and everything is in its own little bin. And no, no, it's no. really my, just my, everywhere. My favorite's the YouTube moms that have the perfect lighting and they've got the, the camera on a gimbal panning across the couch as their children are like carefully leafing through a thousand pages. <laughs> those are family. my favorite. Those are my favorite videos. And then it cuts back to the, you know, her on the camera and goes, yes, every day we, we have our morning routine and I drink my morning chai. I'm like, liar. My living room looks like the scene from Apocalypse Now where they're, they're destroying the bridge every day and we rebuild it every night. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's my office pretty much. The, the bottom two levels of my bookshelf are complete chaos right now. Well, yeah. everything above her reach is neat and tidy. <laughs> and my two, exactly my, my older like. two that I'm, <laughs> my older two that that I'm homeschooling, uh, they don't nicely sit together in the dining room uh, when they're doing different subjects. They have to be, they, they physically have to be in separate areas of the house. Um, they only like to come together when we're doing, um, I, I don't want to say it's a family unit, but like when we do prehistory, for example, uh, my oldest one likes to sit in sometimes because we're talking about something that's really interesting to him. And he's like, oh, I'm going to wander in and sit on this chair over here and listen in and maybe grab my notebook and also do <laughs> some of the work. So I, I make him like a, a secondary thing. Same thing for any of his work that I think my second son would like to engage in as well. He has his own like history notebook that he does periodically with my oldest one just because sometimes they just like to sit on each other's lessons. And I encourage that because, you know, they're not fighting <laughs> and they're both learning together, which is grand and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, can you talk a little bit about the ADHD? Um, I think it's your second son that has that. Yes. Okay, yes. My second you, son does. We, we've tried to get a number of ADHD people on to talk about, you know, homeschooling and education around that. We haven't been able to get a hold of anybody or have them come on yet. So you're, I think you might be the first person that, mm -hmm. that had, that has that. Um, would you talk a little bit of like what that's like? How do you manage that? Or, I mean, not manage, manage probably a bad word, but like, how, how does, how does that work in your family? What special what, considerations do you, you know, make? Yeah. What do you do? So to start, um, just for what my son has, he has ADHD, ODD with anxiety. Um, so with ADHD, it kind of, it's, it's the umbrella term for a lot of different things. Okay. Um, and the, everything that kind of gets attached to it for us 
helps us better acknowledge the challenges that we have and better provide the assistance and help that he needs with those challenges. Um, and part of the reason why we homeschool is because um, with his particular um, temperament, it was not a good fit for him in a classroom with multiple children with a teacher that can't engage with him one-on-one -on -one, um, because he does not uh, respond well to kind of being left on his own devices. And he has a lot of anxiety with um, noise and, and just a lot of excitement. Um, and so for him, a lot of that one-on-one -on -one was necessary. Mm -hmm. So for him, he, he does receive OT and he does, he is also in therapy to help him learn his ADHD and how to um, control his impulses and how to Con, as, as he says, control his fuzzy brain, because um, he, he gets fuzzy brain sometimes, as he says, where he can't concentrate, where he feels um, the, the need to do something that he knows he shouldn't be doing, but he can't tell himself enough, you know, to stop. Mm -hmm. um, so those tools help him a lot. Um, we do medicate as necessary but only when he asks for it, he is six and a half. Um, and we, we, we speak with his, his uh, therapist and his pediatrician on this to see what works best for him. Um, and generally I am not one to push it, but when he's going to do a subject that he knows he, he, is, he is most challenged with, he asks um, so that he can focus because he is old enough to realize that it's difficult for him. Um, and honestly, that's the hardest part for me as a parent to see that he realizes that it's difficult for him. Mm -hmm. um, so we try as much as we can to work with the challenges. And some of those challenges are, you know, that if we have a TV on in a separate area of the house, he can't focus on who's talking in front of him. Um, if I ask him to sit for too long, um, then he starts fidgeting and biting his pencil and we have to take a break. Um, so it's okay. a lot of working around um, and with his, his challenges, um, but also working through some of the challenges. So it's not just like, oh, well, I'm going to take a break every single time. Sometimes when a break is not conducive, we're working on methods of helping him be able to get through whatever the problem may be so that he can come back on track and finish out what he's doing. Um, so it's a lot of accommodating that and also finding a curriculum that works best for him. He is the kind that needs to have his hands moving. He's the kind that needs to be moving a lot. Um, so, you know, he stands at the table rather than sits or um, we, we have, we're using uh, kindergarten math with confidence for him for math after trying Matthew C, which bored him to tears. to literal, <laughs> literal tears. It was not a good fit for him. But with, you know, kindergarten math with confidence, for example, yesterday we did a, an addition game where he had to tap his fingers to, to show me the problem. And then he had to, you know, jump in place to show me, you know, five plus three equals eight. Um, and those were small breaks that help him engage and help him process. Okay. Um, the other thing with him is we go through things very slowly and at his pace. And for him in particular, um, it, it, it benefits him to take a break. So when we're hitting kind of a, a wall on, uh, learning a topic or an idea, we'll take about a week break and then we'll come back to it. And then lo and behold, it has stuck in his brain and he can do it without any prompting and without any assistance from me. And we can move on past this lesson and go to the next one. Hmm. Um, it's also why we took a break from learning to read. 
Um, last year we tried it because he, you know, did have his phonemic awareness. He knew all his letters and everything like that, um, but he didn't know it confidently enough for himself. Um, and that's kind of where the anxiety kicks in, where he overthinks things and then it just turns into a catastrophic event. Um, and so we had too many catastrophic events trying to do that. So we took a step back and we went back a level and kind of did all the things that he already knows. Um, but it was kind of reaffirming his confidence in it. And so we spent all, I think it's 72 lessons and all about reading, pre-reading or 76. We did all of them um, all the way to the end because he's the, he's the kind that needs to see the, the end. He can't just stop halfway. He has to finish it all the way through. Um, and then we just started back on level one and the first lesson, which literally had us both in tears <laughs> the three times we tried it. Um, he blew through it in like 15, 10, 15 minutes, same okay. thing with lesson two. Um, so for him, it's just managing the stressors. It's managing, um, for him, teaching him how to manage, um, really himself and his reactions to things. And then finding ways to help him get through, um, a difficulty that he has. So for like sitting down, you know, we let him stand. Um, for fidgeting or for chewing, when he has a tendency to chew in his anxiety, uh, we have a chew stick that a friend recommended um, that he wears around his neck, and then he yep. can chew on that instead of, you know, anything else that he shouldn't be chewing on. Um, so it's a lot of management, and that's why um, he takes up, I want to say, 75% of my teaching energy. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that that's, that's a good point. Like, you know, it's, it's a challenge enough to learn to be a homeschooling parent and to be an educator and to do all that type of stuff. Um, but also you had to learn to become an, you know, a specialized teacher as well. Do you have any, you know, advice or resources that, that you went through or, or read or learned about, or, you know, YouTube videos or whatever that helped you learn to be, um, more accommodating to learn the nuance of, of how to teach somebody who needed to be um, not, I don't want to say managed, but like how to, you know, to deal with, you know, the nuance of his learning style, you know, did you have any resources there? Or could you give any advice to a parent that might be listening to this? Um, so I haven't, there are a few resources out there, a couple books out mm -hmm. there that I haven't read yet. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But my, my experience has mainly been through um, the services that he receives through his occupational therapist and through his therapist and then through his pediatrician. Um, okay. Our uh, children's hospital network here has an ADHD specialty uh, unit. I'm not sure what it's called, but um, his OT is within that. So his OT is um, more specialized in a child with ADHD. Okay. Um, and so it's a lot, I'm learning a lot from her on not how to teach him, but really how, because it's not really about teaching um, or learning how to teach a child with ADHD. It's learning how to work with a child with ADHD and okay. working through their problems, because it's not just in education um, that these problems will have, especially if it's a, if it's a more severe ADHD um, diagnosis, it's, it's in your everyday life. Um, it's yeah. with all of your social interactions. It's with, you know, eating your dinner, doing your chores, um, leaving the house, <laughs> going to appointments. It's pervasive and, you know, part of your entire, your entire day with your child. Um, and learning to manage that helps you 
know how to best approach your child in an educating or in an educational environment. So you can see, you know, a sign of, okay, your child is shutting down or your child is reacting to something, figure out what that child is reacting to and then figure out how to work past it, maybe walk away from it. You know, we take a lot of breaks. Um, and it's really like understanding your child is the best way to educate your child um, because when you can reach them through their struggles, they're more receptive to your help. Um, and that's been my experience with my son. He's, he's not been the easiest, um, but he has taught me how to be more patient because I was not patient before. I have learned a tremendous amount of patience that I am still um, gaining as well because <laughs> I'm not patient all the time. Um, and he's, he's taught me how to step back and kind of look at things in a different way to see how to approach a problem um, in a way that he responds better to. Because um, it, sometimes it's not that they want to not listen, it's just that they can't because of yeah. something that's going on. And it's just learning those cues and, 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 and knowing your child really, um, and listening to the experts. <laughs> I, I sit in on a lot of his lessons and they educate me a lot on different techniques and methods to help him. Like, um, what, one of it was like backwards planning. So we're learning to tie our shoes. And, um, for him, it was, he couldn't get past the part about looping the bunny ears through the hole. Um, and he literally shut down for three three sessions because he would not he would not touch the shoestrings. Um, and we found out that if we did a little bit of backwards planning, as in the OT, like finish tying it off, and then all he had to do was double knot it, so he had a sense of completion. Then he was way more receptive to doing the task. Um, and that's kind of something that I do in, in homeschool as well, I guess, um, where. I'm seeing that he's kind of blocking out the the teaching or the the, the assignment per se um, that he needs to do. Like, you know, tell me the definition of something. Um, he doesn't want to write it. He doesn't want to copy the highlight, um, you know, the highlighted words that I have on there. So he will tell me in his words and I'll write it down on the piece of paper and then that's it. Um, because I'm not going to fight against the tide. I'm going to roll with it sometimes. <laughs> And, and kind of get it where he can at least get educated and then learn something, even if it's not the conventional way. No, I agree with you. And I really, you know, I think I bounce off a lot of what you just said there with, with the idea of the mindset. I think there's, there's a homeschooling mindset as part of that learning to watch your child, to be patient, to know when to push through and when to pull back. I think that is something that is has to you have to learn on it's an on the job thing there's no way to train for that and it sounds like you're you're doing a great job so you said that it takes you know your 75 percent of your time is spent um to you know meet his needs how do you balance um between you know a child that takes more of your attention and more of your mm -hmm. uh, thought and care with with balancing the needs of your other children. I mean, it must be must be difficult to make sure that everybody's cup is full and that you you know you meet everyone's both uh, educational but also emotional needs um, when you're trying to deal with a child that needs more attention. How do, how do you manage that? For my second son, we generally do his schoolwork more in blocked times. Um, so he's more receptive to kind of getting it all done at once. Um, so in that time, I know I can dedicate that 
40 minutes, one hour that it takes us to get through everything that he's ready to get through. So be it math and reading or math reading prehistory all at once, um, or we'll just do math because that is what he's most receptive to. And we'll do two or three lessons of math in one sitting because that's what he wants to do. Um, my oldest one is more independent with his, his schoolwork. So he likes to get it done in the morning generally. Um, and having that kind of separate time block of, of teaching helps me be able to be present for my oldest one when he needs it. Um, and same thing with um, if he does kind of loop into the, into the afternoon, my second son knows like when his older brother comes over and has a math question, he can go run around the house, run outside, get his energy out. And that's his break because we do take frequent breaks. And then I'll you know, work with my oldest one on the problem that he has or helping him spell or whatever assistance he needs with his schoolwork. My youngest ones, they generally kind of just run around <laughs> during all the schoolwork time. Uh, my, my youngest daughter, she has gotten to, to copying her older brothers. Uh, so I will leave out like the dry erase board with a dry erase marker and she'll pretend to write on it. Um, my three-year-old, I have uh, quite a few white clean books, um, like, you know, trace the line, trace the A, trace the number, and I'll leave those out for him as well, and he'll pretend to do his schoolwork at the same time, um, so they feel that they're being engaged with. Um, with playing preschool for my three-year-old, it has a, a thing in it for uh, calendar time or circle time. Can't remember if it was calendar or circle time. That's in the beginning of the book. And um, that's something that my second son actually adores doing with my three-year-old. Um, so they'll come into the schoolroom and we'll do the song of the day and the day, the let or the day of the week and all of that. Um, and that's something to engage both of them. And then my three-year-old's like, okay, I had enough mommy time. I am going to go play with my dinosaurs. <laughs> and then I know when he's engaged to like, okay, do you want to do math? Do you want to do reading? Which one do you want to do? Cause I have time. And just kind of breaking it up throughout the day helps me make sure that I can, um, engage with all of the kids. So it's not, you know, I'm not going to have like four straight hours of schoolwork from 9 a.m. to, you know, 1 1 p.m. That's straight schoolwork. It's we're going to do 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And it works well for my second son because he works better in small spurts, um, either within an hour block where we're doing 15 minutes of math and then he's off playing and then I'm helping his older brother or dealing with any of the other children. And then he comes back and we do 15 more minutes until he's finished with everything. Or sometimes if he's really dragging his feet, you know, we'll do a little bit in the morning. We'll do a little bit after snack. We'll do a little bit after lunch. We'll do a little bit in the afternoon. And then he knows he absolutely does not get, you know, any of the fun things that he wants, like his TV or watching wild crats or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, a few months ago, it was playing on his scooter outside. You know, he doesn't get to do any of that until all his schoolwork is done. So I kind of hold things hostage for him to make sure that we get those things done. So it's, it, it depends on the day and just kind of the flow that we're having. Um, either we break it up or we get it all done at once. And then the rest of the time is, is free for all time of however we manage it. You know, you, you've been homeschooling for what, about a year and a half now, a year? Yeah, about a year and a half now, almost. So, <laughs> so across that time, you know, 365 days, you know, what, 10,000 hours? Plus, plus a half. Plus a half. And uh, 
how have things changed in that year for you? You know, whether it's challenges, your preconceived notions of homeschooling, what have been the major arcs that have, you know, you, you look back on the year and now you're, you're today and, you know, what, what were some of those big changes or things that you've learned? Um, one of the big things I think is just the fact that we're still doing this. <laughs> Last year, when we first started homeschooling, I could not imagine that I would be any good at it. Um, cause as I mentioned, I didn't have a lot of, I don't have, I'm not one with a lot of patience. Um, and I didn't think I could educate my children, um, in a way where they would be responsive, where they would enjoy listening to me talk at them <laughs> or talk with them. Um, I did not think that, you know, they'd want to, to be honest. Um, cause I've heard so many stories of like, uh, you know, my, my kid, you know, I want to be a mom only and not a teacher too. I don't want to combine the two roles type of thing. Um, but I think also for us, what, what helped is, you know, as I mentioned before, like we've kind of implemented education as our home um, environment for so many years that they didn't really see it as much different. That's a, that's <laughs> a great I, point. That's a great point. Yeah. Which I, I didn't, I knew, but I didn't really expect to see how much that like played a part in how they perceived homeschool um, because me teaching them math or me teaching them how to read or me talking to them about, you know, a battle that happened in history or a fun science fact wasn't anything new to them really. Um, just the fact that I was using a more structured way <laughs> to talk and educate them was a little bit more different. Um, and the fact that I was, having them do work. And actually, I think they enjoyed the fact that um, we did more projects together, um, that we did more arts and crafts, and that we had, like my oldest one, his main gripe about going to public school was that he wasn't home when I took the other kids out for play dates, or that he wasn't home when we went to do things. And now that he's home to do things with us, he doesn't mind that, you know, for a cumulative one and a half to two hours of his day, he has to do schoolwork that does not phase him at all. It's the fact that the rest of the 10 hours or 12 hours of the day, he gets to do fun things with the family. Um, and so it wasn't, he didn't have to drag his feet for it. My second son, we had a little bit of a hiccup uh, last fall when everyone was kind of going back to school, kind of. Um, when my three-year-old, he started um, this past January, we pulled him at the end, <laughs> but in this past January, he was in preschool um, for his IEP and he, my second son wanted to go to elementary school again, cause he went to preschool for about four months and he remembered preschool. And that was, you know, a fun thing that he remembered and he was, he wanted to go back. And that was kind of a struggle um, that we talked through for about a week or two on, okay, do you really want to go back to public school? Um, or do you want to homeschool? What are your expect? You know, we talked about what the expectations were um, with public school versus homeschool, and and what the reality was between the two. Um, needless to say, he decided to homeschool. <laughs> he didn't realize that you don't get to watch TV all day in elementary school. <laughs> um, so working through those kind of ebbs and flows of the kids, like wanting to and then not wanting to. My oldest one has always his his main thing was he just wanted to get things done. Um, and he didn't, sometimes he didn't like the fact that he had to take his time with some work 
and I would go back and, and have him correct his work. <laughs> that was kind of a drag his feet thing because he's just like, well, I just want to be done with it. Um, yeah, so and it, it was a lot of learning of like what schedules work for them too. Like I, you know, last year I was like, oh, we're going to get up at like 730 in the morning, have breakfast, <laughs> be at the table by nine and do, do schoolwork. <laughs> that did not last long. <laughs> Um, and then it was, I think, six months into homeschool, um, we started kind of getting that, hitting that wall of getting tired. Because um, I, I hadn't really started a, a good routine of breaks then. It was kind of sporadic and all over the place. Um, and so we started becoming more intentional with our breaks. Like, okay, we are going to take a week off starting next week. And then after that week, we're going to come back and do our schoolwork. Um, and that kind of helped them cement, okay, this is my week off. Now back to schoolwork. Not, okay, it's Wednesday. Let's, you know, I think we should do some schoolwork now. <laughs> so kind of learning that routine helped. Um, also learning the expectations at home. Um, that I think hit like the nine month mark, <laughs> I want to say, because I remember it took us nine months to finally get to a good routine where everyone was on board, no one was fighting, all the expectations were known and met, mostly daily. You know, I, um, you know, before that nine month mark, it was, well, I don't want to do math. I don't want to do reading. I don't want to do whatever schoolwork. Um, and so that's when we started implementing the new rule of chores need to be done, schoolwork needs to be done before fun things are done. Um, and I even had like a little picture chart with like the Velcroed subjects and they had to pull off each subject and put it in their little basket to show that they were done. And it was a nice visual for them for that time period that we needed it for them to see them getting their work done and then having that reward at the end. And we did that enough times where now we don't use it anymore because now like today, my, uh, my oldest one, he said, Hey mom, I want to play video games. And I was like, okay, cool. You can't right now. And then he went off for about 20 minutes and came back and he said, okay, mom, after I get done with my schoolwork, then can I play video games? And I was like, yes, you can. And so he took himself to the, um, to the, to the, to the dining room and got out his work. And he's like, okay, I'm going to start on math first. And I was like, okay, cool. Come get me if you need any help. Um, and he just, he knocked it out and got it done. Cause I, I told them a few months ago that I wasn't fighting anymore and I wasn't going to prompt them, um, into doing something. I wasn't going to drag them kicking and screaming to the table to do schoolwork anymore. They yeah. knew what the rules were in the house. They knew what their expectations were. And I was very firm on if these ex expectations aren't met, you're not getting what you want. <laughs> and they learned that, okay, mom's serious. So let me just get it done. Cause it's less of a battle. <laughs> And that has helped, and that's really helped our homeschool and our home life because it's pervaded into pretty much everything now. Yeah, I 1,000% agree with that. I, I, when the baby, when my two-year-old goes down for a nap, my my oldest six-year-old, she knows it's math and reading time, and mm -hmm. she just she just knows, and she goes upstairs and. Yeah, he's like, meet me in the bonus meet room. Meet me in the bonus room. When I, when I come out, and she's always <laughs> sitting there waiting. Yeah. She knows. Because like, it's like, that's time. This is our time if you want to do this in the quiet way, you can do it. I agree with you. Setting expectations has been a, a big thing. And and it's hard for me for somebody who, like, I feel I would want an unschooling environment for myself, right? Just leave me alone. And that's because that's always how, like, that was the type of worker I was in the corporate world. I was just like, leave me alone. I'm going to get all this work done. 
and I'll come back to you at the end of the week and we'll do our one-on-one and you'll be, you'll be happy, you know? And I, I, it's surprising how, how much structure that my children need, which is a little bit different than what I would expect from myself. So it was, it was even hard for me to learn that in the past, like two or three years that I need to be on people. And I've, I've told you this a couple of times where I was like, I feel, I feel like I'm nagging. Mm-hmm. and because I, I normally don't yeah he's I, like I, I, this does not come naturally <laughs> it does not come naturally to me because I don't I don't want to be on people all the time because that's just I feel that I feel I want, that <laughs> like my, my mm-hmm. boss always had this great line and I'll, I'll repeat it to the end he goes Matt I'm going to give you enough rope to hang yourself and when you're falling I'll cut it so nothing bad happens to you but it's like I'm going to give you enough space for you to do your work and for you to fail or at least let you feel you're failing before I save you. And that's always been the environment that I've always thrived in. And then, but my daughter needs a way more guidance. Than well, I'm right. To, our five-year-old you know? does not work well she with just... that. You know, she really, she, our, our five-year-old thrives yeah. on engagement yeah. and connection. And she wants to sit there and she doesn't want to just do the work. She wants your like arm to be around her and cuddle with her <laughs> while she's doing the work. Yeah. Like she really wants to feel that. Um, that's my second support. Yes. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of like, well, you just did this last week. Let's just get through this assessment really quick and and just do that while I clean up the room. And she's like, no, daddy, I need you here. I want, come sit with me, watch me do it. You know, and you you ladies, you ladies have a, some of you ladies have a built, just built in like you just, oh yeah, let's do a connection. It's like, I, I had to learn that. And that was, yeah, it was a, that was a big learning. I need need to start a Facebook group, a support group for a homeschool for homeschool dads dads who are just like we we don't get the connection thing very well (laughs) i have to learn that yeah it's it's been a challenge so i am again i i I resonate with a lot of what you're talking about i think it's really interesting just how different you know you you have four children and i i assume that they're all going to be different even your little ones are going to probably be different learners than your other two it's amazing how many different flavors there are of of learning styles and how how they do their best work and how they excel and the the possibility of the teacher could handle 30 (laughs) different learning styles is like there's no way they could possibly do that as great as they are yeah we talk about this it's like it's dumbfounding to me that 90 percent of kids go through what amounts to a one-size-fits-all solution yes i was i I was going to say that was our experience in public school um with my oldest one and and i don't fault them because i mean it if you're going to be crowd management yeah if if you're running 47 million kids through an education system you you got to be pragmatic because you only have so many resources so many teachers you know it's a give and take and 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 you have to do that type of thing and and that seems like the most logical if i were to design a system that's what you would have to do right but like for us as homeschool parents we see the nuance and what you were talking about earlier like watching the eyes and watching the response and seeing how they're you know, even just, you can see like one or 2% shifts in their behavior. And you're like, okay, I, and you can pivot. pack in one, you can pivot <laughs> in one direction and the other, and you can just micro correct through the lesson and get all the way through it. And they feel like, oh, this is wonderful. My, my father is adapting exactly what I want. And you know, for, for me, that took a long time to learn, but like, that's a tailored experience yeah. that you could not replicate with 47 million children. And right. Well, and, and remember those teachers there too, they're not having to, you know, they don't need to ensure that every child grocks it. 
right? Yeah. Like they're going to teach it to every kid. They want them all to be quiet and pay attention and they would like them all to turn in their work. And they're going to do their best to obviously help a child yeah. who looks like they're struggling. But in the end, if that kid's consistently not turning in a good work product, they're going to call and have a meeting with the parents. And they're going to say, yep. you know, your child is, is not, you know, uh, getting this. They may need extra help. They may need some special assistance or they may need you to take a more active role in the homework. But ultimately at some point, like they're, um, responsibility and uh, effectiveness has to stop because they just can't, you know, tailor to every kid. Right. So mm -hmm. we, as homeschoolers, our responsibility never stops. <laughs> right? we, we can't just say, Oh, you know, you're not really trying. I'll go call your other parent and have them intervene for me. Right. It's all on us. We have no, it's to make like sure. five minute break. We'll come back regroup. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, you know, you're going to bounce it off your spouse at the end of the night and go, ah, oh, geez, honey, you know, this did work real well today. Got any better ideas, but ultimately all the responsibility is on your shoulders. And I think that that, that weight, uh, whether new homeschool parents realize it or not, you know, like it's, it's subconsciously, it sits on you and it weighs on you that, mm -hmm. you know, you're completely responsible for your kids and you, there isn't anyone else to pass it to. Yes. And I know for, you know, just as like a new homeschooler, um, a lot of people like, and it's something that I've heard with within my own family too. And with friends of mine, the, the dreaded word socialization, <laughs> are your child, is your child being socialized? Um, and I know that's another thing that I struggled with when we first started, because I did have that preconceived notion of, well, my kid is, is, is not going to interact with other kids. I mean, COVID made it way worse because you were literally locked in your house for three straight months uh, before they relaxed things where you could like go out to a park with your kids. And even then you had to stay so far away from everybody. And that definitely like, you know, kind of mur like murky, it was like a murky water of like, okay, how do we, how do we navigate this? How do we, how do I introduce my child to another child? <laughs> Um, I have a, a friend of mine who we talked about it, how um, as a homeschooler, as the parent, you are more of, you know, you're vetting the other family, really, to see if they're a good fit for your family as a homeschooler. Um, so you're saying like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to the parents and then the kids are going to interact. We're going to go to the park. We're going to see how it goes. Is this going to be a contiguous thing or is this not going to work? And we're just going to say, see you at the next co-op meeting. Right. It's totally like dating, right? You're evaluating. <laughs> And, you know, we have, we have, you know, other kids that we see that, you know, may not be the kids we would want our daughter to hang out with at the park or whatever, but it's like, okay, you know, that, you know, we don't have to see you again, but when it comes to homeschool friends, they're, they're around, right? So we have to really make sure, like, is this going to be the right <laughs> fit for our family? And, you know, it's, it does their philosophy and style like line up with us? Are we all, you know, together? Exactly. And it's, it's so much harder, right? We're going to be starting at the parent partnership this year. And, and we were talking about like, well, you know, see which kids she likes, but then, you know, go and meet the parents and see yes. what that's about, you know, before we, we, we sanction different friendships, right. That we yes. want to make and sure I, everything's really healthy. It's just so funny. And we do have like, for, for my family, we do have that experience of what socialization like is like at the public school level. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. we can compare what public school is like and what homeschool is like. And if you talk to my oldest one, he will even tell his, his, his younger brother, well, in school, yeah, you have like a class of kids, but you can only talk to them for like five minutes. And then the rest of the time you're sitting at your desk doing schoolwork. 
And then yeah. maybe during the entire school day, you talk to them for 20 minutes and then recess is only 10 minutes. So you only get to play <laughs> with them a little bit. And then they're sitting on the, on the bus and they all, you know, his classmates aren't going to all be on his bus, you know, and in our school system at the time, they separated them by grade level. So, you know, oldest kids were in the back, youngest kids were in the front. Everyone had a, a, a seat partner. So you didn't get to sit with a quote unquote friend. You had to sit with the same person throughout the entire year that they were there. Um, and it was, it was very un, unmonitored <laughs> on the buses too. Um, so, you know, when, when my kids were in preschool and in kindergarten, first grade, they didn't have, aside from the kid across the street that they would play with, they didn't have friends at school that they would kind of hang out with because our district was so large that their classmate could have been 20 minutes away from our house or not even in the same neighborhood. Um, and asking a kindergarten to make friends and say, hey, you know, go get their mom's number <laughs> so that we can find a play date is not possible. <laughs> so I see a lot more um, social interactions and my kids have way more friends now as a homeschool kid than they did in yeah. public school, mainly because of like, we can vet the parents, we can see all the same, you know, kids at the park, you know, we're not in school at 10 a.m. So when we're at the park, it's all homeschool kids exactly, yeah. <laughs> or toddlers. So you're like, oh, hi. And then, you know, they're just playing with each other. And then you're talking to the mom there at the park and hey, now they have friends and now they come over to Scooter and now we have play dates and planned meetups and game nights and things like that. Um, so, you know, on that socialization aspect, I think for our family, at least it's so much better than it was just because we have so many more opportunities in the area that we are in to meet other homeschool families um, and to meet other organizations that work with homeschoolers and things like that, where they can interact with kids that are being educated the same in the same sense that they're being educated at home and not in school. <laughs> yeah. So they can relate on that level as well. We're taking up a lot of your time and I know it's, you know, it's late by you. Do you, have, do you have any, you know, we, we've talked a lot about of advice and we've learned a lot about this stuff about, you know, how you overcome some challenges in your, you know, the day to day. Do you have any advice for that, you know, that mom or that dad who's about to start homeschooling one or two points that, you know, that can get them through this coming year? Um, the main point is it's your child, right? You're, you're educating your child. It's not a random kid that you found on the street that you bring into your home to educate. Um, you grew this child or you have this child in your family in whatever way and whatever method. And that is your child that you are raising to adulthood um, in whatever way that you're raising your child. Um, so from the beginning, you're educating your child. You're teaching them how to brush their teeth, how to change their clothes, you know, how to you know, interact with friends and, and not say the things that they shouldn't be saying, um, or to be nice, you know, to have manners. Um, and I feel in my experience with educating my kids, like, you know, as I've mentioned multiple, multiple times, you know, education has been intrinsic from the beginning with mm -hmm. our family and our children, like from the very, 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 you know, toddler years. Um, so it's not a foreign concept for us. Um, actual homeschool curriculum and the structure of homeschool that was new to us and like actually following along a plan and a lesson plan and things like that and actually like having to or not having to but wanting to meet certain milestones with your kids adds that, that little extra stress 
to like, okay, well, if I mess up, they're not going to learn something. Well, the thing is they're in your house and you're Mm -hmm. teaching them. And every moment that they're in your home is an educating opportunity. Maybe that lesson didn't go well, but maybe over dinner, they had a question about it and you answer it and that solved the problem, which has happened frequently in my house. (laughs) So if homeschooling is something that is desired in your household, is something that you want to do, it's possible because they're your kids and you're raising them. And however you want to educate them, that's how they're going to be educated. And you don't have to follow along with the state standards if that's not the way that you want to follow or if your state is a little bit more lax or relaxed or you have some loopholes to go through so that you can teach your kids the way that you want to teach them. So it seems scary at the beginning because it seems like a lot, but you know your kids. And if you don't know your kids as well, you will learn about your kids. You will learn more with your kids. And I feel it it it, in, um, it gives you more uh, stronger bonds with your family just because you're spending time with each other and you're learning and you're growing together. Um, I think the main takeaway for me is I'm still learning and growing. You know, I don't know everything and I'm okay with saying that I don't know everything and I'm learning with my children and I'm learning and adapting with them. And I think that makes the process um, not easier, but more manageable for, for me. And it lowers my expectations of, I don't have to be perfect. (laughs) My kids aren't expecting me to be perfect. They've never seen me as like the most perfect person in the world. (laughs) You know, I'm mom and I have my flaws, um, and they're okay with that. And I'm okay with, you know, with my kids because they're my kids. Um, and I think that is something that needs to be kept in mind is, you know, these aren't foreigners, that you're having in your house that you have to educate. <laughs> they're, they're your own children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not as it's not as hard as it as it it needs to be as long as you're open to learning yourself. Yeah, I think that's great. It's a great sentiment, and hopefully, uh, the the folks that are thinking about homeschooling next year, you know, they might be looking for you know interviews just like this to say, is, could this be right for my family? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. And so I think that's really great advice. Uh, we appreciate your time so much, Kathleen. Thank you for joining us today. We really love yes, having thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time, happy homeschooling! I, th- I think people overthink the homeschooling thing for a lot of people. It's just, it, it can be difficult. It's hard at first to learn, but I think once you get into a flow, I don't know, do you feel it's easier now? Like, oh, this is no big deal. We're just going to get our work done today. And, you know, a hundred percent easier. I mean, last year, when I tried, you know, as I mentioned, when I tried Blossom and Root, I felt okay. like I was so underwater with it yeah. that it was it was really hard for me to get through. And putting it aside was the first time that I put aside curriculum. And yeah. I felt so bad about it because I was like, ah, oh, this should have been easy. Everyone was raving about this, but I'm struggling so hard with this. And then I was just like, you know what? I had to like think back and like, I, I taught and, and, and I think I'm not sure what like other people do, but I talk to my kids a lot about their education and about the curriculum that we're using and the way that they're learning and things like that. And I do kind of like mini check-ins like, Hey, how are you doing with this? Are you still good with this? Are we good with this? Um, What do you need changed up? What do you want? Blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and that kind of just talking to them gave me the confidence to just pick up, as my husband says, I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a curriculum hoarder right now, no, um, different things to try um, because I'm very much, um, I'm going to find what fits for my kids. Sure. Um, and it may not be like the boxed curriculum that yeah. works for everybody. I'm going to make them use it, even though I know it's not working. <laughs> um, I'm more of the, okay, well, this child is responding really well to, to this curriculum. And this child looks at that curriculum and like almost bursts into tears just staring at it. So I'm not going to give it to this one. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so I have to try a different one for this one. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it seemed a lot harder um, when I first started. And then now that we've gotten into the groove and we really stuck with the core core courses, the core curriculum, you know, the math and the reading that yep. we really focus on. Handwriting, I mean, they do so much handwriting right now. I'm just like, okay, you got your practice. We did the yeah. handwriting without tears and finished both books. Um, did you like last it? Last year. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. My my oldest one, he, he did handwriting in school, um, sure. but his handwriting was still atrocious. <laughs> it was really hard to read. Um, so we did handwriting without tears. And I have friends and family commenting about how neat his handwriting is. Wow. They're like, they're like, whoa, his handwriting for an eight-year-old is so good. And then my, he was five at the time um, when we were doing his handwriting, like he didn't know how to form letters before. And now yeah. um, by the end of it, because we did the kindergarten one, by the end of it, um, even though he can't read, he still looked at the words and wrote them out and spaced them correctly on sentences. And so now uh. he can do that when, you know, when I highlight it down. And he can like, you know, write his name in a semi-straight line. Yeah. <laughs> and um, with kindergarten math with confidence, you know, it's a lot of um, number work. So he's a lot of practice writing his numbers and he's gotten a lot, lot better um, cool. where I can actually tell what what number it is he's writing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, doing the, the core curriculum for, you know, the first, like we really focused on it the first nine months. Um, that really gave us the boost of confidence to say, okay, we can do this. We can actually do this. And around that time, that's when they wanted, they were asking for more. And so I started sourcing out and, and looking, and that's when I, you know, started combining things together. Um, and now I know how my kids learn. And so, and I feel confident that I don't have to follow the schedule, <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F. I can say, okay, well, I like A and I like D. I'll skip all the rest of the middle here. And I'm going to skip oh, to know. this curriculum and, and grab B over here and combine it together. And then voila, it's a fun week. <laughs> do, do you do, do you do a lot of planning on your, you know, what you're doing? How do you plan for all this? So much planning. Oh gosh. Okay. So, so much you spend planning. A lot, you spend a lot of time. Do you just do it every night or do you at the beginning of the week? I do it um, multiple times during the week. And then I try to get like bulk time on the weekends when my husband's home to like really corral the kids. Okay. Um, so I, I generally do some planning. Like right now I'm planning for next year. So I'll do it with my, with my coffee. Um, and I have the kids because uh, we're finishing up because uh, we, I call us like all year round homeschoolers because I know us, like we can't get yeah. stipped, uh, stick to a schedule to save our lives. So <laughs> we decided from the very beginning, we were going to do year round homeschooling to make sure like we got everything. No, it's um, funny. So we they're just, still finished. Yeah. We just interviewed uh, the Blossom and Root lady, uh, Christina Gardner, and she, even she, she, she homeschools as well. And she does it all year round as well. So 
It's funny. I mean, do any homeschoolers actually just completely take no, off in I, the summer? I, I, I don't think anybody just like cold some. turkeys it in the summer. There's a few that just I know some. <laughs> I don't wish to be them, but I know some because their year is very stressful. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I think that if we got out of the habit of doing it, it would be so much more difficult in the fall to be like, all right, we're getting back to school. You know, it's a, it's like a muscle. And I think if you just don't exercise it for three months, yeah, that's just, know. that would be so, and, and then you have this ticking time bomb too. You're like, oh, you know, I got to get it done. I only have so much time. <laughs> yes. And for, for us, summertime um, is kind of hit or miss with weather. Um, and we don't like crowds. Like we've never really liked a lot of crowds. Um, so okay. in summertime, we actually like, like last year we did it and it was, it was great because when it was 90 something degrees outside and 80% humidity, no one wanted to go outside. Yeah, <laughs> so right, we yeah. would stay inside and just do some schoolwork. And then on the nice days that we had in the summer where it was bearable to be outside, we would, you know, go to the park and, and do all, you know, do all the outside stuff that we could. Now more things are open. So, you know, we're venturing into like pool zones and things like that and, and the splash pads. But still, like, we, you know, we had two straight weeks of thunderstorms here. Um, and so we just, we stayed home and we did schoolwork. <laughs> and that's fine because now we're, we have that done. And, and if we wanted to take a couple days, we could. And then um, I have a friend of mine who actually, she prefers um, doing it more in this in the summer spring area because when all the kids go back to school in the fall and winter everything opens up <laughs> the zoo's open it's there's less people the amusement park there's less people mm-hmm. the museums have less people <laughs> yeah. Yeah, vacations are more manageable in the fall <laughs> for me it's that all the curriculums are set on a 30 or 36 week schedule and yeah. so if we homeschool year-round it means i get to do more curriculums yeah. <laughs> so combining torchlight and build your library ended up working out to be 62 weeks i think or yeah. 60 weeks of Just curriculum year, yeah. and um i'm like okay that's fine. I'm, we're not, it's not going to take us into second grade or something because we homeschool year round. And oh, the, the blossom and root prehistory was like, I don't know, what was that? Five weeks or something. And yeah, then build your sense. library was six. So together it'll be 11. Eh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, why not? We have time. So yes. And, and the only marker I really use, or I found that really like cements things for the kids is math. Like that's the only, that's Mm -hmm. like, because Mm -hmm. of all the varied curriculum that we have and like the different levels that we do, like math is really the only one that I use as kind of like my marker for where my kids are at. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, you know, the, the math for us too, we're trying to make sure that our daughter is going into, she's going to go into kindergarten, but she's like a late birthday. She's a late October birthday. So she's going to be almost six when she starts kindergarten. So it's like yeah, my, my second like, son's November. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So you yeah. totally get it. And so it's like for us, she's in preschool, but we're in the middle of a kindergarten math and reading curriculum. Well, that makes sense. Cause she is that age. Yeah, right. Why should we have to wait until she's technically old enough to attend school to start with the kindergarten stuff? And, and I'm, and I love the, um, you know, there it's like a bathtub, right? Water's draining out. You keep it, keep filling it and it finds some equilibrium. I'm, I'm very much a, you know, run as fast as the child wants you to, as long as they're happy and, you know, they keep learning. Exactly. And they're they not stressed. They're not stressed. Just go as fast as you, fast as they're willing to go without causing any negative effects and yes. you know, go, go, go where that takes you. And like, for example, like this week we, we crank, we crunched through three, 
sections of math this week. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. And then hmm. we, we almost did two reading lessons. Like she, I was just going as fast as she wanted me to go. And it's, yeah. I, we, we may also be hitting a groove. She may hitting, you know, be hitting some, you know, step ups in her capabilities and stuff. And we may hitting, we may be hitting one of those like points right now. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's amazing what, what you can do when you just run. So like, yeah, we're doing the kindergarten stuff right now. And it, I mean, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is for us. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, you know, the, the math and the reading. I just know a, we're ahead. I just know that as, yeah, long as, as long as I'm on. Long, tab, as long as we're like enough. on level or above, it, it, assuming there's no problem, right? If, yeah. if our one of our children has a learning difficulty, oh, yeah, then sure. obviously yeah, that's totally different. Is, but otherwise, yeah. like on our own planning, we're just trying to be on level. It's interesting, you know, we're, we're always trying to be on point with the math and the reading, but and they're so important and they're their core for a reason. But to me, the more exciting stuff is all the rest of it, the yeah. history and the science oh, yes. and all the other stuff. That and is so I'm, what we love. I'm like, let's just get through, let's get to the point with the reading and the math that she's just trucking along. And then let's just like enjoy and wallow in all the other great, you know, yeah, history right. and stuff. It's funny, you know, she's asking about her friends down the street that go to kindergarten. And she's like, well, how is their kindergarten going to be different than Fundergarten? Because we have a, a, a parent partnership program. We're going to send her for a couple of enrichment classes. And one of them is Fundergarten. It's like two hours, two times a week. And we said, well, when that little girl goes to school every day, she does reading, writing, and math. And like a little bit of extra. And there's, you know, maybe an art project. And she's like, or maybe a history thing, you know, but it's reading, writing, and math. That's all they do. And, you know, our, our daughter was like, well, but when do they read all the books and when do they do sculpting and when do they do all these things are like, no, they don't do that stuff. They do it at home with their kids. Yeah. Their parents. Yeah. If they have time, right. They yeah, come exactly. home with lots yeah. of homework. And so it's just been, it's been kind of funny. We, we did a series really early in the podcast yeah. called, am I doing enough about kindergarten and uh, first, first and second first grade. And, second grade yeah. and we went, like minute by minute through a kindergarten and first grade day based on some stuff that some teachers had posted online about exactly how they organize their day. And they're like switching things up every like 10 to 15 minutes and stuff, but they're basically switching between reading, writing, and math. Like, and they have, yep. you know, 40 hour, 40 minutes or so a day for something special. Uh, if there's time, <laughs> it's the thing that yes. gets crunched if there's not time. And I was like, I just don't, that's not, the, that's not the childhood we had when we went to school. No. You know, it's, it's just, it's so, it's like common core bust right now. 